You guys are so awesome. We're so excited to see you. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time today in John 15. So you can go ahead and go there if you got your Bibles. John 15. Uh, we're going to get there in a few minutes. But I do got to tell you this thing that happened to me. Because we're talking about choosing joy, right? And so, uh, first of all, can we give it up for all of our friends and family that are watching us online right now? We love you guys. Come on, give it up for them. We love you guys. You're awesome. So... I walked into my kitchen yesterday, and because uh, we're talking about choosing joy, right? Joy that should just be in us and a part of us. And so uh, there's a few things we don't allow in our house, right? We don't let cereal in our house. The reason we don't let cereal in our house is because Captain, or Captain Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the greatest cereal ever made. Don't at me. I'm not trying to hear it, okay? But uh, so the greatest cereal ever made. And here's the thing about cereal, right? I could kill a whole box and still want to know what's for dinner, right? I don't know. It's a magical food. I don't know why it works that way. It's just the way it works, all right? So we usually don't have cereal in our house. We don't have milk in our house, just like those things. We don't put them in our house, right, because I'm going to eat it, all right? So yesterday, I came in, and I saw milk in my refrigerator, and I was like, ooh, because I don't know about you guys. What, what are some of the things, as soon as you see milk in the refrigerator, what do you think of? Cereal, what else? The first thing I want to know is, are there Oreos in the pantry? Because I'm like, oh, it's about to go down, okay? And so, but we never have Oreos. But my wife threw a party Friday night for her and some of her friends. And so I was like, oh. So I go look in the pantry, bottom shelf, behind some cups. Like she was hiding them from me. I said, oh, look at this. Grabbed that pack. I took them out. I opened it. with. I had already poured my cup of milk. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to pour it after where you get too excited for the Oreo. So I had already had my cup of milk poured. I opened the packet, and there was one Oreo in there. <laughs> Joy had escaped me in that moment. I'm not going to lie to you. And I thought to myself, self, who in this house would leave one Oreo in the package like, you know what kind of audacity you got to have? Like, you know what kind of courage you got to have to leave one Oreo in the package? Like, even if your calorie count for the day didn't allow for that last one, I don't have the self-will in me to not be like, oh, no, 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 we're going we gonna to have to kill this rest of this sleeve here, right? One Oreo. I was upset. What is my wife's response? There's some Chips Ahoy in there. I said, I don't want no Chips Ahoy. Turn to your neighbor and say, sometimes you still got to choose joy, all right? So, all right, let's get into it. Here's the thing about a good sermon, not a good sermon as in like talented sermon, but a sermon that is beneficial to you. It's not the one that you walk away from it going, man, that was so good. That was so theologically accurate and hermeneutically, contextually correct, even though I use some words that none of you may understand. What the sermons that we need in our life are the ones that highlight in the Word of God how we're to modify our lives according to the Word of God. The Scripture coming alive to us to help us see, man, those are some areas where I can be more like Christ until the day I meet Him face to face. That's what we need, friends. And I'm hoping that this joy series will do that. It will motivate, encourage, and highlight some arenas where we can go, man, that's a place where I can be more like Jesus. And that's what we want. Can I get an amen? All right, so let's go uh, to 2 Corinthians 6.10. You don't have to turn there in your Bible. They're going to put it on the screen. But it's just one of the texts that I want to highlight where Paul is talking. Now, if anyone had the right to not be joyful, it was Paul in the Bible. 
We're talking about shipwrecked. He finally gets to land, gets bitten by a snake. He's been uh, like stoned in prison. Uh, it's all happened to Paul. Like, he's got a reason not to be joyful. And what does he say? I may be sorrowful, but I'm always rejoicing. He said, so we may be sorrowful, but always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything. And what Paul is telling us right here, to all of you here in the room, those of you guys watching online, what Paul is telling us right now is it doesn't matter what the world tries to take away. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you. Your circumstances, your pain, your struggles, there's always a reason to rejoice when you've got the king of rejoicing on the inside of you. So Paul says, all this stuff may be going on, but I've got something that's not circumstantial breathing life into the joy in my heart. And that's what we need, friends. Can I get an amen? Turn your neighbor and say it's about joy. So there's four decisions you're going to have to make to choose joy. Four decisions you're going to have to make to choose joy. And each one of those we're highlighting throughout different weeks. Now, last week, we started to highlight just the whole series that this is important. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead and feelings follow. What do you mean by that, Brad? Well, sometimes you're going to have to make the decision to be joyful when you don't have the circumstances to be joyful. Sometimes you're going to walk in and be joyful when it doesn't make sense. You're going to choose joy, and eventually you'll start to feel the joy that you are choosing. That's what we're talking about. And last week, choice number one was to see the bigger picture. If you tuned in, if you didn't, you can watch it online, listen to the podcast later. But your life was meant to mean something. Hear me. You're not an accident. Whatever life has thrown at you doesn't change God's plan from A to B. He still has plan A for your life, and that's that you would fulfill the great purpose that he has for you. And so your life is meant to mean something. And ultimately what we boiled last week down to when we're talking about purpose is you'll find joy when you find your why. When you discover why God has you here, there's a sense of joy that comes from that purpose alone. And when you discover what God built you for, and then you're able to put that into practice with some people that are like you. Because how many of you know that not everybody wants to speak life into your joy? Not everybody around you wants to speak life into your purpose. Not everybody around you wants to give you life and be encouraging and speak into you. There are some people that want to suck the joy out of you. Like leaving one Oreo in the package. But in all honesty, some of us have family, friends, coworkers, hear me, that it seems like their sole mission in life is to take what God is putting in you back out of you. But God said, I want to do something different in you because the second choice that you're going to have to make and what we're going to talk about today is you've got to choose to be connected to God. You've got to choose to be connected to God. For those of you watching online, it's going to be a choice to be connected to God. You're going to have to wake up each day and choose to say that this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Not just rejoice and be mad in it. I'm not going to rejoice and be sad in it. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And so we're going to choose to be connected to God. But okay, but why? Because of this. To have immovable joy in your life means it needs to be rooted in the only thing in your life that can't be moved. Hear me. 
if you're going to have immovable joy, that your circumstances don't change, that your situations don't change, that your pain and struggles don't change, that your knucklehead children don't change, you're going to have to have it rooted in something that cannot be moved. And the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, he's not moved or swayed by the storms of life. He is consistent for us in our lives. Therefore, it's going to be immovable when it's connected to him. Being connected, in your notes, being connected to God means your joy is connected to its source. So if you're going to have joy, being connected to God means that your joy is now connected to the source of joy, who is God himself in your life. So the more we're connected to God, the more we're connected to our joy that can't be taken away as long as it's connected to the one that doesn't change. So if it's connected to, if your joy is connected to your career and your career starts to crumble, your joy crumbles with it. If your joy is connected to your relationship, but your relationship falls apart, your joy falls apart with it. If it's connected to your degree, if it's connected to your marriage, if it's connected to your children, if it's connected to anything in this world that can be taken, shaken, anything in your, if it can be took from you, then that means your joy can be took from you too. But God says, I want to be the source of your joy so that no matter what life throws at you, you're connected to something that never ends. So God wants to be that for us. So we'll get a clearer picture of what it means to have joy when we're closer to the source of joy. Say the source. So let's go to John 15, and let's look at what Jesus has to say about it. Because Jesus puts it like this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. Now, just so we're clear, Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, and you are the branches that come out of the vine. So you're connected to me. And my Father, God in heaven, is the gardener. And he says, every branch that comes out of me as the vine, you're connected to me, but you don't bear fruit. In other words, joy isn't evident in your life. Peace isn't evident in your life. God isn't evident in your life. If you don't bear fruit, he takes away. Right? And every branch that does bear fruit, say bear fruit, because we want to be branches that bear fruit, amen. We want to be branches that are connected to God. We want to be branches uh, that show joy and peace and hope in our life. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, like we want to be those branches. It says, then he prunes. Now, grab a hold of this for a second. If, what does it mean to prune something? It means to cut away at it. It means to get rid of the bad ends. And see, some of us, we're letting our joy be disrupted because we feel like God forgot us because we're experiencing a pruning process. When, when the Bible says that he prunes the ones that bear fruit so that they'll bear more fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gone through a pruning process and be like, God, where are you at? I need you to show up right here. And you know what God's saying? Oh, I've been here all along. I'm going to do something in your life that will cause your life to do more so that I get more glory out of your life. You see, God should, he'll prune those that are bearing good fruit. So hear me, if you're in the pruning process, get ready 
for the amount of joy God's about to bring into your life. If you're in the pruning process, get ready for what God's fixing to do with the calling on your life. If you're in the pruning process, that means more is about to come out of your life than came out of in the past. Get ready because God's able to do abundantly more in our lives than we could possibly think or imagine. Amen. And so we get ready for that. So as we continue... He takes all these branches. And last week we talked about fulfilling purpose. And what's the, one of the best ways we could bear fruit? In the purpose that God has for us. So, those whose life has the evidence of being connected to God. Let's go to verse 4 and we'll keep going. He says, abide in me. And I want you to circle, highlight, underline that word abide. Because abide means to be connected. It means to rest in. It means to continually pull from. Abide in me. And I and you, as the branch, cannot bear fruit by itself. In other words, by yourself, you won't have joy. By yourself, you won't have peace. Just because you have a good job, just because you like the way your life is going, doesn't mean you'll have joy. You may have happiness, which is temporary, but you won't have joy, which is permanent. He says, abide in me. And he says, if you do that, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. I want you to underline, circle, highlight that word withers. For some of you, maybe you need to write it on your kid's forehead. So every time he comes up to you, you'll remember it, okay? Withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Can I ask you something? How many of you in the last three to six to nine months have felt burnout, exhausted, frustrated, and angry at the, what life has thrown at you? Eight of us are honest. The rest of you are lying. Okay? Because here's what, when life happens, we get frustrated But here's what Jesus is trying to teach us right now. He's trying to tell us that if we'll abide in him, we'll never get so tired that burnout is an option. He said, no matter what life throws at you, you won't become frustrated and exhausted. Maybe in your body, maybe even in your mind, but not in your spirit. Because there's something that just keeps you going on the inside. And I remember uh, myself and Pastor Dan sitting down and I'm, you know, he started this church. I'm the lead pastor now. and, And he said about... Uh, at least 150 times over the last six months. I'm glad it's you and not me pastoring the church right now. Not because he doesn't love you amazing people, but how many of you know 2020 has been the year of pivot after pivot after pivot? Come on, somebody. Like, it's like just when you thought you had a game plan, it's like, no, nah, we, we, uh, we're going over. Oh, now we're going back this way. No, nah, now we're going back. Oh, and here's a hurricane, right? Like, so it's been this continual thing in our, our lives. But here's the deal. There are things we've had to pivot around that have been frustrating to my mind. They've been exhausting to my emotions, but none of them have taken my joy. Because it's connected to something that can't be taken away. And so we'll keep going. Verse 7 and 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Hear me, church, when God is glorified in the life-producing evidence of your connection with him, one of which is joy, you are proving to be his disciple. You're proving to be a follower of Christ when joy resonates in your heart all the time. Not always happiness, but joy. Something that can't be shook, something that can't be took, but continues. So what is it that we're trying to say in the simplest terms? Joy is the evidence of being with Jesus. 
Joy is the evidence of being with Jesus. How do you know when someone's just connected to God in a powerful way? They can't be shaken. They can't be consumed by the things that joy is always evident it sits right in front of them it's right there all it's man like you ever met someone it doesn't matter what life throws at them they just keep on going even with a smile on their face aren't they annoying (laughs) have you ever met somebody so happy that their happiness rubs off on other people how many i know on the wrong day you're like not today i'm just not no we're not doing that today right how many of y'all just, you, you, you convince yourself you had the right to be angry today? Where y'all at? Anybody in here? Okay, right? The rest of y'all, lying. Golly, okay, y'all gonna get it today. People are, man, they're just that way. But there are people that aren't just happy. They have joy that never ends. It's like, again, this is the day. The Lord, I'm just gonna rejoice. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna rejoice. Philippians, I'm gonna rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. They just stay in that place. Why? Because they're connected to something that doesn't end. And hear me today, it's available to you. I know you think you're different. Well, you don't know my life. Ah, things are miserable. Ah, I want to be angry. Okay, listen, that's a choice. But you also have the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to tap my joy into something that never changes. And so the more, uh, more than God is worried about how many times a week you go to church, he wants to know if you'll have joy at work. More than he's concerned or interested in how you sing on Sundays, he wants to know if you'll declare joy on Mondays. More than God is concerned with your Instagram account and your followers and how you post great quotes from other pastors, he wants to know the position of your heart. He wants to know, is joy in you? Is joy in us? Is it part of us? Hear me. The world isn't interested in buying what you're selling but not using. You see, I went to a restaurant just the other day. I talk about food a lot, but it's because outside of my wife, it really is my favorite thing. So uh, I went to the restaurant just the other day, and I was getting ready to order. It was a new restaurant. I had never been there before. And so I'm the guy that asked the waiter, what should I eat here? Because you work here, right? So like, man, what should I get? Man, you know. And so I asked the guy, what should I get? I had my eyes on this brisket quesadilla. It looked delicious. And so uh, I saw it go by in a tray. I said, ooh, that looks good. Mm. So I have my eyes on that, asked the waiter, how is the brisket quesadilla? He's like, it's all right. And I was like, so I was like, all right, how's the burger? There's a picture of the burger on the house. It looked good. I was like, how's the burger? He said, it's pretty good. I was like, you should not work here. <laughs> like, if it was me, I'd be selling everything. Listen, put the burger on the quesadilla. Like, you know, like, but... <laughs> And so I was, I was asking him, and, and so he was like, uh, I was, he's like, I said, what, what should I get then? You know, what should I, he said, you should probably get a sandwich. And I was like, there are two things I have a hard time paying for at a restaurant, a hot dog and a sandwich. Because how good can a hot dog be really? You know what I'm saying? And then second, no offense to the, if you own a hot dog stand, but like, and then like, I feel like I can make a sandwich at home. You know what I mean? Like bread, meat, cheeses. They sell boars head at Publix. I'm not tripping. Okay, so I was like, I don't, I'm, I, you know, whatever. So, no, if you make a good sandwich, I didn't mean to offend you. But I'm just saying, I was like, I don't know about this. And I was like, what, what? I said, what would you eat right now if you were ordering? And he's like, well, I'm a vegetarian. That's what I said. <laughs> and so I, I was like, man. He's like, so I don't, you know. I was like, I don't feel like. Any of your opinion matters anymore. <laughs> like, like, can I get a new waiter? Like, anyway, who else is available? You, come here. Tell me, you know, like, that's what I felt. And, and so, but here's the problem. 
for some of us, we walk into our workplace and we're not, we, we hadn't bought into the joy of Jesus we're trying to sell to the world around us. You see, like the vegetarian waiter, we're trying to tell people they need Jesus, but the version of Jesus we're showing them isn't something they want. Because they're like, if Jesus is in you, I don't want that Jesus. Because we walk into work just miserable. I don't want to be here. Co-workers make me my boss, these customers, these people, everybody's dumb. Nobody knows what they're doing. Oh, these conversations y'all have with your own self. Don't, like, don't act like I'm the only one. I'm the boss at my work. I don't know what y'all doing. So, but for, or, or the fallback. You ready? Here it comes. I'm going to hit you with it. I'm not mad. I'm just tired. <laughs> You're welcome. Right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I really want you to lean into this because I mean it, though. Some of us are trying to convince the world to buy a gospel about a Jesus that we don't show them we have. So why would they want something we have if we don't believe that it's good? Just like the waiter, he ain't finna sell me no salad, okay? Some of you are trying to convince the world to buy into a joyless, peaceless, constantly shaken, and unattractive Jesus that is not portrayed in this word. He says, my words bring life. That where we go, when we have joy, people are going, hey, what is it about that person? We're the brisket quesadilla on the tray going by. And when people are just like, hey, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Y'all know when you're in the Mexican restaurant and the fajitas go by? You didn't even want fajitas. Until somebody else's go by, you're just like, well, look, look at that sizzling and stuff. Just like, oh, my, give me some of those. I was going to get the burrito, right? No, but listen, that's what joy should be like in our life. We walk past people and they go, man, what is it that they got that I don't? What is, what, what is that thing? And they come and ask you, what is, that, what is that thing? What is it that's different about you? And you get to point them to the life-changing, hope-giving, joyous Jesus that is resonating on the inside of you. Because he's just that good, friends. And so that's what he's talking about. Hear me. God wants people, in your notes, God wants people to see the evidence of your relationship with him more than they hear of the evidence of your religion. We are in the Bible belt, folks. We're in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. They know where church is. They want to know where Jesus is. They're not interested in our buildings. They're interested in our buildings they're looking to buy into our Savior. And so we should carry that with us, right? John 15, 11, all of that brings us to this one point right here. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, say my joy. This is Jesus talking. So we, let's say Jesus' joy. That my, my joy, Jesus says, may be in you. And that your joy, because my joy is in you, then your joy will be complete. Hear me, your joy can't muster up that kind of strength and courage. Your joy doesn't necessarily stay glued to Jesus when circumstances arise, but when his joy is in you, it's complete. Man, he wants to give us something that's so good. And you know, many of you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, Abednego. Okay, good. So uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and many of you know the story, but for those of you that don't, there's three Hebrew boys in the Old Testament in the Bible, and, and the king demands that they bow down to his golden statue. And they say, no, we only bow down to the Lord. And so King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into the fire. And they say, well, we live in Pensacola, so it's like fire all the time. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what they said. They, uh, they, they, said, they said this, and it's very important. They said, King, we will not bow to your statue. They said, if you throw us into the fire, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to your idol. And for some of you, you need to resonate with these boys to say, you know what? God can come through in my career. He can help heal my marriage. He can help restore relationships that are unhealthy. He can do whatever it is in your life that you're praying for. But even if he doesn't, that doesn't mean your joy has to be taken away because we believe that he's going to be with us no matter what. And so they get thrown into the fire, and the king looks into the fire. He says, what? how many boys did we throw in there? And they said, we threw three. He said, then why do I see four? And he says, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. Church, God is not always interested in getting you out of your circumstances. Sometimes he's interested in getting into your circumstances. You see, God may not be interested in getting you out of that marriage that is troubling you. What he may want to do is get into that marriage that is troubling you. He may not want to get you out of that career, out of that job, out of that relationship, out of those situations. Maybe he wants to get into that job, into that career, into those relationships and say, you know what? Rather than taking you out of something that's uncomfortable, I'm going to get into what's uncomfortable with you and I'm going to give you joy while you're there rather than getting you out of there. I'm going to make sure that people see that I get glory out of your life. Even if it doesn't mean you get what you want, you're going to get me in the midst of maybe what you didn't think you wanted. And when you get me, you've got all that you need. And God shows up in powerful ways in our lives. So Philippians 4, 4 through 5, Paul says it like this, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he comes back for a rerun. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Paul's repeating it. In other words, he's saying like sometimes it's going to take extra effort. Like sometimes you're going to have to be convinced of the convention. <laughs> like a convincing, sorry. Like sometimes you're going to need a little bit extra. Rejoice. And again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? That last part, what does it say? Because the Lord is near. Rejoice because the Lord is near. Hear me. Rejoice because the Lord is near. For some of you, you're ready to give up on your marriage. Listen to me. Rejoice because the Lord is near to it. He can bring life back into it. Some of you, you are just sick and tired of your children acting the way they act. Listen to me. Rejoice. The Lord is near. All right? So, <laughs> that wasn't necessarily a joke, but hey, we know whatever. Like, for some of you, you're ready to give up on your job, your, your degree, your career. You're ready to give up on something you feel like God really called you to. Listen to me. The Lord is near. Don't give up. And I really mean that for some of you. Man, you've, ready, you've been ready to give up on something that is God-ordained in your life. Hear me. He's near. Some of you are watching online. He's near. He's with you. And so Deuteronomy 30, something kind of pops off uh, for the children of Israel as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And he says this. And, and, and he says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity and death and destruction. 
For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Now, say life. Say death. Let's try it one more time. Say life. Say death. Jesus, or God is saying here, I have put before you life and death. Because I want you to understand something. Choosing joy will always mean there was another option that you didn't choose. No, grab a hold of this. They're going to put it on the screen. Choosing joy means there was another option you didn't choose. See, some of us are waiting for the perfect circumstances so that we can choose joy. No, no, no. Choosing joy means there was an opportunity to choose death. There was an opportunity to choose frustration. There was an opportunity to choose anger. There was an opportunity to be withered, to die out, to burn out. Hear me. Every time you choose joy, it means there was an opportunity to choose something else. And he says, no, 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 I want you to choose joy. Then he keeps on going, but if you turn away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. God, I want you to understand something. This is God talking to the Israelites, not necessarily us, but we're pulling something out of this that we can learn. He says, if you bow down to other gods and worship them, what are the things that we would bow down to in our life and start worshiping that would cause our joy to get to experience destruction. The things that you worship are the things that should never have your affection. They should never be so important to you that you put them above who God is in your life. And I'm going to go ahead and name a couple of them for you. Are you ready? Politics. Listen, some of you have become so invested in your candidate, you're not repping Jesus anymore. You're repping something else on the front of your shirt. And I'm here to tell you today that the reason your joy is robbed from you, the reason your joy has gone away is because you started worshiping a candidate instead of worshiping a savior. You started putting your faith in something you should never have your faith in. Hear me. If the world made it, it'll never be good. But Jesus above all, yeah, by all means, you can put your hands together for Jesus. But when we lock into The fact that Jesus is on the scene. He deserves our worship. He deserves our affection. And any time you put something over him, your joy gets robbed from you. So what do we do? we got to put our affection and our worship back where it belongs. The White House won't save you. Politics won't save you. The government won't save you. Hear me. There's one Savior, and his name is Jesus. And we got to put our faith back where it belongs. I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm not telling you not to do anything. I'm not telling you who to vote for. That is not my job. My job is to point you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and make sure your joy doesn't fail no matter what goes on in this world. So he says this at the end of Deuteronomy 30. He says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses on your behalf that I have set before you life and death. Now choose life. Notice he didn't say have life. Choose life. Right? So You're like, I get it, Brad. How do we do it? I get it. I need joy. I need joy. How do I do it? Well, this is how I do it. Stress balls. When I get angry, I'm like, all right, Susan. Right? Just. Right? It even says choose joy on it. So it's a constant reminder to just choose joy. How many, who in here just needs some joy in your life? Where y'all at? Who needs joy? You want it? Anybody wants it? Here, catch, all right? Oh, oh wow. You said, oh, it's a stress ball, all right? not a bowling ball. All right? 
So, matter of fact, I'll tell you what, just because I love all of you and I want all of y'all to have a little bit of joy, we're going to just dish out some to everybody. So, team, go ahead and let them have it. Hand out some uh, Choose Joy balls. There you go. All right. So, uh, hey, I got y'all right there. Boom. All right. All right. Where are we at? Where are we at? Anybody? Oh, oh right there. Okay. I got one more. Ricky, my man. Oh, almost there. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Everybody's got one. Perfect. All right. I just thought you needed someone to throw something at you today so you could smile a little bit. That's really what it was. All right. Can we get it for our team? They're so awesome. You guys can keep those. All right. Now, I'm, I'm obviously kidding. Okay. I did want you to have those uh, stress. But here, I want you to keep that on your desk, uh, in your kitchen, wherever. Hear me. Not because that stress ball is going to give you life. The reason I wanted you to have that uh, was so that it would be a reminder of what I'm about to give you right now. All right? Listen, give me three minutes to wrap this up. So just give me your attention for three more minutes. We're going to wrap this up. I get it, Brad, but how? How do I have joy that never ends? This is how. John 14, 26 says this. This is Jesus talking. But when the Father sends the Comforter instead of me, and he goes out of his way to be clear, and by the Comforter, I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you much as well as remind you of everything myself have told you. So this is what Jesus is saying. Now, for some of you, you're like, I don't know about this Holy Ghost thing. Ghosts, I don't believe in ghosts. I ain't doing this ghost thing. Hear me for a second. Some of y'all are like, I grew up believing in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Okay, I don't know about like, so, But here, here's what I want you to, to understand. The Holy Spirit is, is God's spirit. Jesus said, I have to go away because I can only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit, he can be everywhere. He said, so I have to go away, but he, God's going to send the Holy Spirit that he would be with you always. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus tells us. I want you to understand this. Choosing joy is possible because the one that gives you joy is always with you. It's not your circumstances. It's not the election. It's not your social media accounts. It's not your marriage or your children that gives you joy. Hear me. The spirit of God that for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus and we are saved by grace, that Holy Spirit is always with you. And I don't know about you, but I'm so guilty of looking to everything else, not realizing that the one thing that never changes is the sustaining joy in my life. Just to show you some scriptures, Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. In other words, even when Jesus was operating later, as he quotes Isaiah, he says, the spirit of God is even on me, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he went about doing good. Acts 1352, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And then in Galatians 522, but the Spirit, what Spirit? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, gives, and then it lists a number of things that are the fruits of the Spirit as we know it. Guess what one of them is? Joy. You see, the ability to have supernatural joy can only come from a supernatural source. And for some of you, 
You're needing a joy that the world can't provide for you. The good news is that joy is already available to you. But instead of going to the world, instead of going to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, instead of going to politics or instead of going even to a restaurant where a vegetarian may be your waiter, go to the Holy Spirit. Go to the Spirit of God who's already with you. And it's just this simple, folks. You ready? Holy Spirit, God, just give me joy. Give me the joy that could help save my marriage. Give me the joy that could help inspire me to love people better. Give me the joy that would be so connected to you that the world can't take it away. Give me your joy. Give me more of you. In Jesus' name. So let's bow our heads across this place. God, I pray right now that you would send your spirit into the hearts of everyone that's listening, if they're online or if they're here in the room, that your joy would be in us, like Jesus said, and our joy would be complete. So give us joy. But as you give it to us, help us choose to walk in it. In Jesus' name, with everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed today, if you need Jesus in your life today, you see, your ability to be connected to the Spirit of God only comes through the grace afforded to you when you put your faith in the Son of God. You see, sin separates us from God. But Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. And, and to be brought close to God again, what we have to do is repent, which means to turn away, not to go back. But then that we put our faith in him. We believe in our heart that when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins. And today, for some of you, that's the next step. Some of you, God is calling you right now. He's, he's tugging on your heart and saying, I want you to surrender to me. I want you to know me. And if that's you today, we want to pray with you. We're going to lead you in this prayer, and this prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is just putting words to the actions of your heart that says, Jesus, I believe in you. But we want to pray it together as a declaration for those, for some of you, that you're putting your faith in Jesus today. The whole church is going to pray it with you, so you're not praying by yourself. Even if you're online, pray this prayer with us. Church, let's pray with our brothers and our sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for me. So give me a fresh start. I put my life in your hands. I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that today. Man, we celebrate with you. It's so awesome.